Blog Talk Radio. Invited all my friends, 
and um, we had a Sunday roast party. Now, you know, so obviously we got out some of the decorations and uh, um, got some English newspapers, and obviously it was all about the wedding at that time, and just had a really nice, cozy, relaxing afternoon. We played, we played games. We did. It was just wonderful. So what I wanted to do is I want to share with you some of the recipes that I use um, for parties such as that. But you can deal with a party. You know, you can use it for your family. Now, um, what I'm going to start off with on the social media chef today is I'm going to tell you how to do a really killer rump roast. Now, beef is one of the things that I always like to make for large crowds because it's a bit of a crowd pleaser. You can do lamb. You can do um, chicken. But, you know, let's let's be honest, lamb's a pain in the butt. And chicken is too ordinary. So beef is kind of, it's perfect. It's a little bit economical as well if you're going for a rump roast. So first off, let me give you the rump roast recipe, okay? This is killer, killer, killer. Now, Everything here that I'm going to talk to you about today is going to feed six to eight people, all right? So that's that's pretty big. So, you know, if you want to, if you only have, it's like it's just you, um, your husband, your wife, and your kids, then if you make this once, you'll have some meals for the week. So that's another good thing. And, and everything will keep. Now, first off, let's do the roast beef. What I like to do is for six to eight people, I go three to three and a half pounds. And that doesn't look like a lot, but this meat's heavy. So you don't, you're not going to have, you know, a doorstop kind of piece. So go for three to three and a half. I go with the three and a half. Look for meat that's really fatty. The fattier the meat, the, the less work it's going to be in terms of basting and keeping it moist. Because no one, no one, no one, no one likes meat that is fully, fully well done and dry as a bone. Well, I'm sure there's some people out there. Now, what you want to do with the beef is you want to take out the refrigerator and make sure it goes to room temperature. You don't want to put a cold piece of meat in the refrigerator, I mean, in the, into the oven. So once it's room temperature, I want you to mix flour, salt, freshly ground, salt and pepper, and fennel seed um, into a, um, just into a container so you can roll the meat into it. So maybe a paper plate, whatever. Um, and here is my secret ingredient. Get mustard seed, maybe like three tablespoons or four heaping tablespoons. Grind it up in a mortar and pestle, and then add it to add it to the mixture. You can grind the fennel seed up as well if you don't want to if you don't want it chunky. I like it a little chunky, but that's you. Mix them all together, and then heat some heat a little bit of oil in a large pan. Because what we're going to do is we're going to sear the outside, and searing it is going to make it really nice and juicy because it's going to trap the juices inside the meat. So what we want to do is while that, that heat's going on, um, the heat is going on to the oil, get the meat and fully cover it with the flour, salt, pepper, fennel, and mustard seed mixture. Okay? Roll it until it's fully coated. Um, once it's coated and you can see that the oil's nice and hot, you want to throw it right in the pan and cook it for one to two minutes on each side. Now, it needs to change the color completely. It needs to go from that red up into that brown. You want to really brown it. And if it looks a little burnt, don't worry about it. Okay? Once, while that's getting finished, you want to turn on your oven to 275. Okay? Um, I like to slow roast my meat. There's other recipes where you can cook the whole thing in an hour. I hate meat that cooks fast. It just tastes dry as a bone, not very good. So you want to do, um, once it's to 275, I like to turn it down. Eh, no, I, I think it'll be fine. But you put it in, and you're going to 
do – it's going to take about two hours for that piece of meat. We want to continually check it towards the end. Um, what I like to do also um, – I'm kind of jumping around a little bit. I'm sorry about that because I forgot one of the things. What you want to do is the, um, the pan that you're using, you want to grease that up with butter. And then what I like to do – this is actually really good – Get some white onion and slice them, and then put the meat on the onions. That way, it's not on the on the heat. There's nothing touching the direct heat. It's almost like it's floating, and it can cook evenly on all sides. Okay, I forgot about that. Sorry, guys. Then throw the meat on top of that, put that in the oven, and for one and a half to two hours, at the one and a half hour mark, you want to get your meat thermometer and put it into the center of the meat, and you want it to be around 130 to 135. That is your meat done, okay? So sometimes it cooks faster, sometimes, because you know how these, these pieces of meat are. They all look different. So you want to make sure that it's 130 to 135, okay? Once that's done, take it out and let it sit covered for 15 minutes because you want everything to settle, all the juices to go into it, and it will be even better. Never take meat out of the oven and immediately cut it. You always want to let it sit because it needs to settle. Okay, so that's your roast beef done. Um, now, let's move on to what do, you, what do you put on your roast beef? You always put on accompaniments. Now, these are two things that are traditionally served that I really, really like. These are my spins on them. Now, the horseradish sauce is my favorite because when you serve horseradish sauce, people think that you spent hours doing it when you really didn't. Now, the key ingredient here is horseradish, right? So you can actually get fresh horseradish at your local um, fruit and vegetable stand. But if you cannot, now if you do, that all you need is one horseradish root for this recipe. If you don't, you can get the, the processed um, horseradish in a jar. Uh, but what I suggest you do is if you take it out of the jar and strain it. You don't want any liquid because there's nothing worse than adding too much um, liquid to the sauce because it will make it separate. So what you – it's just another – it's just a little bit of a pain in the butt. You have to get it, and you have to strain the water out of it. I usually go for one horseradish root or five heaping tablespoons of the um, processed horseradish. If, you, if the horseradish is ready to go, if you have the root, you want to basically put it into the food processor until it comes out looking like the processed <laughs> one that you buy. Now, all that you need to do, this is so easy, get your food processor, put in your horseradish, put in 150 milliliters of double cream, one teaspoon, one, uh, one teaspoon first of white wine vinegar, and then a little bit of salt and pepper, and then blitz it up. What you want the consistency, consistency to be like is like sour cream or a mayonnaise. That's the kind of creaminess you want. You do not want whipped cream. So you want to, you want to, when you're mixing it, I kind of just hit the pulse button again and again and again and again and again. That will always thoroughly mix things in a, in a food processor, and it also won't over-process the food. Then um, once, you've, once you've mixed it a little bit and it's getting a little bit thicker, taste it. Um, then uh, you just change it to your taste. It should taste like horseradish, obviously, but not be really, really spicy. It's going to be cream. You don't want it to overpower the meat. Remember, this is not – it's like putting ketchup on a steak. You know, you don't want it, – it, you know, you don't want to overpower the steak, especially if you're paying a good amount of money for a nice cut of meat. So that's it. You, you, you get it to your taste, put it in a bowl, we're done. Next is gravy. Now, gravy is something that people will 
I don't know. I, I'm not really crazy about how a lot of people make gravy because there's either gravy granules or the packets of gravy. Um, I would rather not serve gravy if I have to do that um, because, to me, I can almost taste the package. I can almost taste that, that metally interior of the pack. So this is what I do. It's a, it's a little bit of a pain, but once you, I mean, once you taste it, it's just unbelievable. What you need is one large bulb of fennel uh, or two small ones. A large white onion, some fresh thyme, salt and pepper. That's it. Okay? Now, depending on what kind of meat you're going to make is what kind of broth you're going to purchase. Now, you can make your own broth, of course, but I don't have time to do that. So I go to the store and I will buy. If I'm doing a chicken gravy, I'll do chicken broth. If I'm doing beef, I'll get a beef broth. So get two of those large containers of beef broth for this recipe because we're cooking beef, right? Uh, add them to a large saucepan, and then begin to bring that to a boil. While that is boiling, you want to clean up the fennel and the white onion, and use, I'm telling you, use almost all of that fennel. So some people take off the, um, they only use the bulb. I actually use the fronds, which are the hairy bits at the top, um, as well as nearly the whole entire stalk. I usually cut off the top of the stalk because it, it tends to be aged a little bit, but the rest of it's good. Now what you want to do here is, you want to get the onion and the fennel and pop it into the food processor and until it's all minced. It doesn't matter about the knife cuts here, okay? So don't worry about them being different sizes. Blitz it around in there or mince it by hand, whatever you please, and add them to the mixture. Um, sorry, not the mixture, the broth. Then once that's all together, then I break off the thyme. I use maybe one or two sprigs. Uh, because, you know, you want that you want that really tiny flavor, but not over time. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and then bring it to a boil. Now, I cook and reduce this forever. I generally like to do this for about um, maybe twice the amount of time the meat cooks. So sometimes what I'll do is I will start this the night before and then put it in the refrigerator and then finish it off while I'm cooking and preparing the rest of it for, for serving. I like to do this for about four. So four hours is going to be boiling. And that's going to reduce it and reduce it and reduce it. And it's also going to leach out all of these flavors from the um, fennel and rosemary, I mean thyme and um, the onion. Now, what you need to do is once it's real, everything's really soft, use an immersion blender. If you, if you, if you don't have one of these, you should get one. Um, they are the best things since like sliced bread. You know, the um, immersion blenders are just really handy. You can get them at any kitchen appliance store. And they just help you. You don't have to put everything into the food processor and maybe the plastic will break because it's too hot or ugh. So mix it up, and you want to liquefy everything that's in there so you can't see any bits of fruit. I mean, fruit. Goodness gracious, where's my mind today? Um, vegetables. You'll still see the sprigs, but um, that's fine. It kind of adds character. Then once that's done, you want to get about maybe a half a cup and beat in maybe two to three tablespoons of flour. This is separate, and this is a really great way of thickening a sauce without getting clumps. Get a bit of the sauce, put it into another bowl, and add your flour. Now, add the flour until it gets into a really thick roux. Then add it back into your gravy, and it will thicken it up. Now, you can have it as thick or as, as loose as you want. It's pretty much up to your taste. 
but remember, when the meat's done, we're going to take some of the drippings from the meat and add them into that gravy. So once, that, once the meat's done, you take the roasting pan and you tilt it, obviously, and get, you know, as much as you can. Uh, then mix it in with the gravy, and then you can adjust it. If you need to add a little bit more liquid, add more liquid. Salt, pepper to taste, and more flour if you need it. Then you're done. And I'm telling you, that gravy is killer. I've used it for about five or six different meals, and every time it's been an absolute winner. So those are your two sauces. Now we have the meat. Let's go on to the roast potatoes. Roast potatoes are an absolute must-have at a roast dinner. So I find them to be one of the more finicky parts of the meal because they, they do take a little bit of time and I hate working with potatoes, but that's just me. Um, I just really don't like them. Unless you're sticking your rod through them and baking them in the oven, that's, that's as far as I can go. But, you know, when you're having people over, you want to push the boat out. So, um, if you're having six to eight people, eh, I do about eight to ten. Just because it's a little bit of a pain, I always do a little bit more because, you know, when you're making a larger recipe, you're doing it anyway. So, hey, you know, Let's make it a little bit bigger. And also, these are these are definitely a huge hit. Oh, you're going to hate the first thing I'm going to tell you to do with these potatoes. You're going to have to peel them. So peel the potatoes, then quarter them. And, you know, you want them to be about two inches by two. Um, if they're not, if the potatoes are extra large, just make sure you can cut it into those types of, of slices, um, sizes, and then um, throw them into boiling water that's salted. And, you know, have the water boiling first. I don't want you to do the second. Do that first. Then add the potatoes very carefully, not burning yourself. And boil them for five minutes. And I'm telling you, five. That's it. No more. Don't do six. Don't do five. Oh, five. Five minutes. That's all you need. Then you want to um, very gently strain the water um, out of the potatoes. And then leave them until there's no more steam coming from them. This is really important because if um, if you do the next steps without them being not steaming, uh, it, it'll be a little bit, it, your potatoes won't turn out as pretty. So once they're done, what I do is I will put them back into the pot, put the lid on, and give it one or two big shakes. What that will do is that will break them a little bit. You know, you want to bruise them so they're kind of look, looks like a little bit of mashed potato, but they're still full pieces. What you can do also is you can get a fork and run them, run the fork over all sides of the potato. And that is so this, this whole deal is so that the oil will crisp them up and you'll get a crispy outside, okay? Once that's done, you want to get your, um, your hot oil going. So I like to use goose fat, but goose fat is not so easy to come by when you go to your local grocery store. You don't use goose fat, use vegetable oil. This does not need expensive oil because you're going to be using a lot and you just don't want to do that. And a roasting pan, add, I don't know, maybe um, one to two cups of oil and pop it into the, pop it into the oven on about 400. I, I like to do this hot because it takes less time. And it, it, just think about it, you're doing this. You're almost like pan frying me. Okay? So pop that in the oven. Uh, then when it's nice and hot and it's smoking, that's when it's time to add the potatoes. Very carefully add the potatoes at that time because it, it, this is, it, it, there's chances you can get burned, so just be very, very careful. Um, add them and then leave them in there and then turn them every so often. This is going to take an hour. So you just want to keep turning them 
every five to ten minutes, that's probably the best way of doing it. Then um, within an hour, you're going to have beautiful golden brown potatoes. You can also flavor them while this is going on to whatever flavor you want. I just do a little bit of salt and pepper. Let's not get too fussy here. You know, it's I, I want the flavor of the fried potato. I don't want Cajun or, you know, um, Italian seasoning. I just want salt and pepper and just really, really basic flavors. So when they're done, let them cool and serve them um, while they're still hot, but not right from the oven because they're, uh, they're pretty much inedible. Now, wow, we've gone through so much already. The next one I want to go through is roast veggies, okay? Roast vegetables are another staple. I have my own mixture that I, that I like to use as a standby for more winter or warm, um, warm and cozy meals. I like um, this combination. I like to have celery, carrots, beets, onions, and just olive oil, butter, and obviously rosemary and thyme. <laughs> You know, those two flavors together absolutely bring out the flavors of each one of the different vegetables. How I do them, I wash everything and, you know, clean, clean the vegetables. I do not skin the carrots. I like them lumpy. Just make sure that I brush them and clean them very, very thoroughly so there's no dirt on them. Um, chop them into largish portions because the bulk will just bring a lot of color to the plate. Um, and also, if you're cooking them, they're going to shrink a little bit, and you don't want itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny, hard, um, oil-filled vegetables. So keep them kind of bulky. Uh, the beets, get your rubber gloves first. This is the number one thing that I always forget, um, unless you like the color beet on your clothing and on your uh, hands and forever. Uh, then peel the beets. Um, usually you can get the really, I like the ugly beets. I don't like the ones that are just really pretty, look like they just came out of, uh, Mr. McGregor's uh, garden, we want something that is just like a baseball size almost, and they're hideous. But once you peel them, oh, my goodness, they're amazing. So clean those up, cut them up, and then what you want to do is, again, in a roasting pan, you're going to put all of these vegetables, and you are going to cover them with um, the spices, rosemary and thyme. Um, I, this is to your liking, however much you like. I like to use more than less on this recipe because it's really, they really do bring out the flavors of the vegetables in a beautiful way. Um, oil, this is up to you. Um, I like to put maybe like a cup of oil and then maybe some butter. Um, but And some people use water instead of oil, so it almost like steams them. This is pretty much, again, this is an up to you um, type of dish because people don't like beets. Some people don't like celery. Some people don't like onions. Some people don't like this. You know, it's, you know, you're going to be basically slow roasting vegetables in the oven. So think about what you would like and add it to the dish. I usually use, like I said, about a cup of oil, maybe um, two, two or three tablespoons of butter, rosemary and thyme. Toss the vegetables, put them in the oven uncovered, um, stirring every half an hour, and I'll do them on about 350. And depending on how many you do, it's going to take longer or shorter. But usually we're looking at about an hour on these as well. And as you can see from what I'm telling you, being on the ball, if you're going to be doing this, is going to be key because, as you've heard me say, we've already gone through three roasting pans, right? And all these things are going to be cooking at the same time. So a large oven is handy. <laughs> it's really handy. And also having ample amounts of dishes. Do not use those plastic throwaway 
on the plastic, those tin throwaway pans. Um, the problem is that they have ridges on the bottom that kind of will hold your, your food away from um, the oil. So we don't want that. We want the oil to be, we want everything to be immersed. Okay, that's the roast vegetables. Ooh, now, final, final, final one. This is the one that you probably thought, why the heck haven't I told you about this one yet? The Yorkshire pudding. This is something that is absolutely a must-have on um, at a Sunday roast. Yorkshire puddings are almost like they're almost like deep-fried um, rolls, if you want to think about it that way. Some people think they look at it and think that oh, yeah, you know, they must be um, muffins or are they, are they sweet? Do we put do we put jelly on them? You can basically put whatever you like on them. The one thing that I would suggest is you know putting the gravy because the gravy is absolutely the key to this meal. Um, it holds everything together. Um, how you do it is it's a little fussy, but it's something that you can do to serve. Um, what you need is 110 grams of plain old ordinary flour, salt and freshly ground black pepper, two eggs, 300 milliliters of milk, and then a little bit of vegetable oil. I mean, you can use the fat from the meat if you want, but, you know, it can be you – know, I kind of like to do these, have these ready to go um, because timing at the very end is very crucial. So you want to mix the um, – you want to sift the flour and some salt and pepper into a bowl and then make a well with your fingers in the middle. So just make a hole, then break the eggs into that well, and then begin to incorporate it with the flour and the salt and the pepper. Okay? Slowly do this. And then you want to keep going and then beat in the milk. When you're beating in the milk, get some air into this. You know what I mean? Get, beat it really well. You can use it with your hand. Um, I like to use a mixer because I have one. You know, why not use it? But if you're using your hand, beat the heck out of it. We want some sore arms here. Uh, you know, so really beat some air into it. When you're done, make sure there's no lumps. Lumps are going to be bad news for this recipe. So make sure it's, it's really nice and creamy and fully incorporated. Then let's stand for about an hour. Then what you want to do is preheat your oven to about 425, 430, uh, and get some muffin tins. Like muffin tins are the best way of doing this, I think. And metal is better. I don't like the plastic ones, um, or I can't remember the word for them right now, but I, I'm not real crazy about those. I think the metal is better for this. What you want to do is you want to put a little bit of oil, maybe a tablespoon, tablespoon, two tablespoons, in each one of the portions of the muffin tin. This recipe makes six to eight, like I said, so um, you're going to need just basically one. And then if you have another one handy, just in case you have more, that's perfect. Put the oil into each one of the wells, two tablespoons, pop it into the oven until the oil starts smoking, okay? That takes, I don't know, five minutes or so. Very carefully take it out and equally put the batter in each one of the tins. It's going gonna, it's gonna to splatter a little bit, but that's the fun, right? <laughs> so put, the, put, it, put that all in there, and then you want to pop that in the oven for 25 to 30 minutes. Now, the key is to not overfill these. You want to have a little bit um, empty on each one, maybe a centimeter to two centimeters on each tin. These suckers rise like crazy. So, just to warn you, what I like to do, just so I don't have a house full of guests and a house full of smoke, 
I like to put a pan underneath them so if there's any drippages or there's any issues, it will go into the pan below. So that's pretty much what I do. Then take them out, let them cool a little bit, but you still want to serve them when they're hot, right? So very easily, pop them out with a, with a butter knife and serve on your plate. So right there, you have one heck of a meal. We have roast beef, full, a nice rump roast. Um, we have the roasted root vegetables. We also have the, the Yorkshire pudding. And on the side of that, we have roast potatoes, which everyone's going to want more of. And then you're going to have some gravy, homemade gravy, homemade, homemade, and some homemade horseradish sauce. See, this is one of those meals that everyone's going to think that you spend 14 bajillion hours on, and you didn't. Um, I would suggest making, if you're having people over the next day, to start the gravy the night before, make the horseradish sauce the night before, and just get all of your ingredients ready to go because all of the prep takes about maybe an hour to two hours, and your cooking time is probably going to be around three three hours. So if you match them up perfectly, you can be out of the kitchen by the time your guests arrive. All right. I hope you enjoyed all those recipes. They will be on surffreshmedia.com or socialmediachefonline.com by the end of this week. If you have any questions, please contact me at info at surffreshmedia.com. Tweet me at ChrisGoMedia, and I will be speaking with you next week, same time, Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live from DEA Book Expo America. Until next week, thanks.